0: Hello, Los Angeles arts community and beyond. I'm Carolina Sique, and this is the Artbreak Podcast. It's officially been a year into the pandemic, and I don't know about you, but I feel like I've now watched everything akin to theater as humanly possible. Livestreamed shows, recorded performances from venues all around the world, drive-in theater, and dozens and dozens of Zoom readings. It's no surprise that even with the limitations of social distancing, theater makers everywhere are doing what they can to continue the creation of theater magic, even if it's not in its most optimal form. Back in September, when ISC debuted Romeo and Juliet Living Room Edition, I couldn't help but notice some revolutionary ideas about theater that couldn't have come about otherwise without the pandemic. For example, it's been refreshing and eye-opening to see how much more accessible theater can be now that nearly every online performance I've seen provides captions, digital resources, adjustable playback settings, and even sign language interpreters. On the other hand, I do miss the thrill of buying a ticket to a coveted performance and the communal feeling of folks gathering in one space to experience Shakespeare's life-changing stories together. I thought it would be interesting to put it to the test, What are the benefits and challenges in viewing Shakespeare Live versus Shakespeare Filmed? Which do theatre artists and theatre viewers prefer? And what virtual tools and resources can we bring beyond the pandemic back into live theatre? I've gathered quite a few ISC family members today. The first you're going to hear from is Alex Lowe, a comic actor who has played in some of Kenneth Branagh's most well-known films, including Much Ado About Nothing. Alex is also a friend of ISC's Managing Director and Co-Founder, David Melville. Then we dive deeper into the differences between filmed and live Shakespeare with the 354 Squad, a React group on YouTube. You probably know them best as ISC favorites Bukola Ogunmola, Carrie Reynolds, and Kendall Byrd, with their roommate and Los Angeles artist, Tiana Quant. Last but not least, we also have Ronaldo Macias and Jean Gaskill who teach Shakespeare in their classrooms at St. Matthew's Parish School and have been involved in countless ISC shows behind the scenes. First, David caught up with Alex about what it was like working on Kenneth Branagh's Much Ado About Nothing with all-star cast members like Keanu Reeves, Denzel Washington, Michael Keaton, and Brian Blessed.
1: I'm here with my my good friend, Alex Lowe,
2: who's all, all the way over in the UK. Hello, Alex. Hello there, nice to, so great to speak to you and and to speak to everyone out there.
1: We're here to talk about uh, Shakespeare on film and uh, Alex uh, was in probably one of the most beloved Shakespeare on film movies, um, uh, Much Do About Nothing directed and starring Kenneth Branagh in 1993. Mm. So Alex, can you tell us just a little bit about what it was like to, to make that?
2: Well, I had done a lot of work with Kenneth Branagh and I was touring Uncle Vanya, the uh, Chekhov play, with his company when we met. And uh, Ken, I had known since I was 14, I was in uh, the play Another Country, which then became a huge feature film with Rupert Everett and Colin Firth. Uh, I, I was in the stage play of that in the West End of London with Ken and I sort of kept in touch with him and he... Uh, invited me to do various things for his company Renaissance. And then I think he wanted, he put me in the film Peter's friends uh, in the same year. It was actually 1992 when we filmed it. And then that summer he said, look, I've got another thing I'm, I'm uh, doing much to do about nothing uh, so it was an incredible, incredible start to my career, actually. It's never been quite as good since. It's been downhill all the way since. But that year, 1992, I did this film, Peter's Friends, with him. And then we went to Italy, uh, Greve in Chianti, to film Much to Do About Nothing. And so I stood in for Ken uh, when he was directing. Uh, I, I played the messenger who comes on at the start and says Don Pedro is approached. And I bring in Keanu Reeves at the end and say that Don... Don John was trying to escape. Um, That's actually a really good part. Well, it it's is. A, it doesn't sound it, does it? The no, it's a pity think, he doesn't have a name,
1: isn't it? Yeah, isn't
2: it? Absolutely right. But it was a lovely part. He tops and tails the film and, you know, there were lots of little bits I I, I popped up in. Uh, so it was sort of thrilling. And what, what it meant being his stand-in was that I was there for the whole six weeks of shooting.
1: Did you have uh, to learn all of his lines?
2: Yeah, yeah, and I was I, in those days. I was very look. I just started as an actor. I was so so careful to mind my p's and q's, and to just be careful and to to not upset anyone, and to absolutely know the lines inside out. Um, which occasionally is quite difficult because some of it's got that really unfunny world uh, wordplay. Yeah. That would be a cuckold house, is all that sort of <laughs> sort of
1: mad Shakespeare stuff. Did they ever roll film on you? Do you have, do you have
2: outtakes of you? Oh, with me, do? As, as him? Yeah. Uh, they probably are. Yeah, I'm sure there's outtakes with, with various things I did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I never saw them. But, of course, you know, when you've just started as an actor and you're there on set in the middle of Italy and there's uh, Denzel Washington and Keanu Reeves and these sort of people, Michael Keaton, uh, you know, it's so thrilling.
1: It was a crazy, disparate collection of people. I mean, you had uh,
3: yeah.
1: Richard Bryars and Denzel Washington and Ben Elton and Michael Keaton. Yeah. And these two yeah. worlds, like sort of BBC sitcom meets well, uh, The Matrix.
2: That that was always the way with Renaissance Theatre Company. You had sort of Kenneth Branagh's, uh, you know, the people he liked, who were sort of British sitcom stars. Uh like Richard Briers, Brian Blessed had a sort of sitcommy thing about him. Ben Elton was a comedian. Didn't you go for a car ride with Keanu Reeves at one point? Yeah, I sp- I spent some time with Keanu Reeves. I remember, um, I remember going for a drink with him in the in the town square in Greve in Chianti, and thinking, God, what am I going to talk to Keanu Reeves about? And um, they had had a, a showing of Peter's Friends, which they'd shone on the side of the Villa Vignamaggio, which was this film we'd made a few months before. And they said, I remember Emma Thompson saying, do you know, I think Keanu was so moved. He was so moved by the film. He had his head in his hands and he was, he was you know, drying his eyes. And, I, and I, <laughs> I remember having this drink with him. I said, did you enjoy the film? He said, it was very terrible, man. <laughs> oh. And I think he'd just been incredulous rather than moved that anyone had made it. Uh, No, he was great. They were, everyone was really lovely. I, I just, honestly, I was thinking about those times. I was, I was 24. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't 18, but I was so, as I said, so keen not to ruffle any feathers. I, I, you know, I was surrounded by all these people and you had people like Kate Beckinsale who was like a, I hadn't seen her for a while, but she was a friend of mine for a bit. We ended up doing another film together called Haunted. Uh, And she was great, but so confident, just like it was her summer holiday job from Oxford. Right. Going and making a bloody feature film. And it was just such a difference in attitude. She was very cocky and confident and flirty and beautiful and funny. And there was me very much the sort of, uh, you know, workaday, you know, grunt from the the regiment just there to kind of do the hard graft so i don't i didn't say boo to goose and i and i was just very very you know i was sort of worried about getting on anyone's nerves i think it's just it was just like the most incredible job it was like the most the most brilliant holiday apart from anything
1: can you encapsulate from your perspective what the difference is between doing shakespeare on film and on stage
2: well i suppose uh, By its nature, it's sort of heightened. It's not naturalistic. I mean, always the sort of... um, The thing actors always say about the difference between stage acting and film acting is that you sort of have to reduce that level of performance, the artifice, when you're... Because, you know, the camera comes in very, very close. The second it doesn't look real on film, it's glaringly obvious. I I always, my daughter does a lot of um, castings from home. So I see a lot of it. And I often say to, don't act that bit. I can tell when you're acting, just do it for real. You don't have, I know what you think. You think it looks good when you flick your eyes there. You know, any of that stuff is absolutely, any fakery is completely obvious, but it's a slightly different thing with Shakespeare because it goes through that prism of being, by its nature, slightly more theatrical and you know the sort of use of imagery and the language is is much less sort of um, vernacular you know modern vernacular it's harder to to make it look real but you have to because the camera comes right in close and catches every last twitch of your eye so it's a very difficult one um <clears throat> i think i think what ken did is I mean, it always amazed me doing any stuff with them. It was so sort of naturalistic. Attempt. There was no Larry Olivier, you know, melodrama to the gods. It was really, really conversational at times. Anything to make it absolutely as lucid as possible for the audience. Um, so, I mean, of course, the other thing is, If you are on stage doing any sort of acting, Shakespeare or otherwise, you just have to make it bigger, just for people to be able to see you from the bloody back of the thing. So I'm not being very technical. This doesn't sound particularly uh, eloquent. I'm not. This is not Dr. Jonathan Miller. I'm just (laughs) telling you when when you get when you get on there, all that's going through my mind is just make it as real as possible and actually was that discussed
1: as 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 an approach, or was it just everybody was like, oh, everyone's just being really naturalistic, that's that's what I have to do.
2: I think that, um, yeah, that's a good question. I think whenever I worked with Kenneth Brown on his Shakespeare stuff, that was clearly what it was all about from the off. You know, he is, he's not, I mean, he has a reputation for being a bit of a lovey, but that's as a British disease, people often like to aim that at any actor, but he's not, he, it's unpretentious and it's an attempt to make it as accessible as possible. But I tell you what I do remember from the very early rehearsals was so that we could sort of anchor the thing in something that meant something to us. We went round the table, and I don't know whether any of the other actors remember this, but there was a long discussion about family problems, family arguments, how things were resolved, uh, about shocks you've had in your life. And somehow we managed to anchor the script in our own experiences. Right. And Ken made it clear from the off, this is about a family falling apart. And so we sort of immediately started to see it through that prism, that it's it's relevant to everyone even today. Did did you do a
1: lot of rehearsal?
2: Um... No, I think we were probably there for a week before, where we did a bit of rehearsal. You know what these things are like. There's never any money, in British films to right. to rehearse too much.
1: So the comedy in in Much to Do About Nothing, and I think Kenneth Branagh is very smart about this because he in in Henry V, which mm. is another really great Shakespeare movie, those characters Bardolph, Pistol, and Nim, which are you know riotously funny on stage, he makes them yeah. very dark and and almost excises all the humour from it, and I you know, in rewatching watching Much Do, I noticed particularly, you know, from the, the sort of high comedy scenes, it's played more straight in a way that I think on stage you can put in a lot of slapstick and stuff. Uh, yeah. To, you know, I think it sort of leans in that direction. But for the movies, I think that it's it's kind of necessary to uh, to, to find another avenue. And I think he does it very successfully. Was that anything that was ever discussed while you were making it?
2: Um, I don't know. I think, look, we've all been in the theatre where people are falling about laughing at some Shakespearean joke that, frankly has not stood the test of time <laughs> to try and you know people are very keen to. oh yes I get that joke and, and it's not funny and it was probably only mildly funny in those days as well so um so at least he's not doing that the, the I think the one performance god who am I to say this those in glass houses but Michael Keaton it it's a very curious take on you know I couldn't always hear what he was saying, to be honest. And he went for quite a bold choice, which <clears throat> I don't know, arguably didn't come off. Oh, God, listen to me. What do I know? But it's a, it's a horrendously hard part, Dogbury, even on stage.
1: But that's, yeah, I think he had the toughest road a to hoe did. in the movie. And, then,
2: and, and, and Ben Elton plays that kind of swivel eyed loon next the, to Verges. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Those are the sort of out and out comedy characters, aren't they? Who come in as a sort of comedy duo. Um, but I think, look, there are people like Richard Bryce in there who are naturally funny and just have a nice kind of jolly, um, bumbling, funny old man stuff going on. Yeah, I don't think you need to lay it on with a trowel. Um, and I'm trying, you know... Uh, I think the sort of relationship, when you think about there's a sort of badinage between Ken and Emma, between Benedict and uh, Beatrice, you know, that sort of... You know, the sort of uh, to-ing and fro and the sort of witticisms and the rapier wit between them, which it's not always that easy to follow.
1: Yeah, know? and, and uh, I think they're both brilliant in making things very clear, even yeah. though it is it is you know tough and difficult language um and yeah. this and because it's on screen it's imbued with you can really sort of feel the history between them in a way that I think on a stage yes when you're introduced yeah. to those characters it just it just sort of probably naturally sort of leans towards the you know getting the laughs and yeah. Uh, yeah. worrying about the backstory later
2: <laughs> I mean I wonder whether I mean, they're supposed to be people of a certain age who are trying to find love maybe that's something we get Much more nowadays, people tend to settle down later, don't they?
1: What are you up to at the moment, Alex?
2: Well, I am uh touring. Well, it's been cancelled three times, been postponed (laughs) three times due to COVID. I I was halfway through my tour as a character called Clinton Baptiste, which was something I played on Peter Kay's Phoenix Nights, which was a huge hit in Britain 20 years ago, and he's a sort of uh end of the pier. You know, low rent cabaret clairvoyant medium psychic, who is an unashamed charlatan. Who, like all of those people, are let's be fair. There's no, there's no magic in it. Uh, Who goes around um, telling people what he thinks they want to hear. He's quite brutal. He's like quite uh, undiplomatic with you know what what the spirits are telling him. So I'm going round the country um, on this tour, which, as I say, has been postponed three times.
1: And so do you interact with the audience? And you, you I do,
2: yeah. I know. hope I'm still going to be allowed to. I mean, that's the other thing. I bought one of those extension things, like a big boom mic, just in case I can't go into the bloody audience. Uh, but I really hope I can, because that's the bit they like the most, getting in amongst them and, and being rude. And, <laughs> to them. So. And, and you're playing very big venues. I am. I mean, it's terrifying. I, I really hope people will turn up. Um, and also I'm really out of practice. I haven't done it for over a year. I'm sort of glibly saying, oh yeah, there's a 1300 seat of the Hackney Empire, which I'm playing in East London, which is a huge venue. And it's going to be very echoey if no one turns up, you know? So I'm sort of blithely continuing, like it's all going to be great, but I I get very, very, very nervous doing uh, any sort of performance. And it's only you know, towards, just before we ended the last tour, before it got curtailed, I was in the swing of it and loving it. But, I mean, it does take me a while to, you know, build up the uh, the nerves. Oh, I know. I'm kind of
1: anxious about what that's going to be like going back to a live performance.
2: Yeah. And I think,
1: you know, I I, I don't know about you, but when you see these images of some of these retrofitted theatres... That yeah. have been altered for COVID and there's like you know, there's like 20% of the seats and they've got <sighs> plastic booths around them. I like, I don't want that.
2: I don't want no, to no no. I mean, apart from anything, if people have got to wear a mask when they're laughing at my comedy, I'm not gonna be able to hear any of it. <laughs> you know, you want them throwing their bloody heads back, laughing. I mean, I th- I'm I'm doing this in in the autumn, September to end of November. And who knows, but currently the thinking is we might be pretty much back to normal then.
1: And are you still doing Barry from Watford? Uh, yes, I did
2: this character a very old... Uh, <laughs> cut me man, you see. It doesn't have any So uh, I do Barry, but not as much, more, you see. So I do Barry oh on God. her...
1: Casts, you know but so yes if anyone is still listening uh
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> then you've got to check out what's the what's the one that went viral the mint is it minty oh, minty
2: book? biscuits uh yeah. ba- ba- barry in the blue the blue badge holders <laughs> it's for people who have a disabled badge so uh, if they, uh, yeah go- google the the minty barry minty, minty, biscuits, Crunchy, minty biscuits minty biscuits uh, and it's also known as blue badge holders
1: so are you doing any Clinton? uh digital shows that we can catch in america
2: i do one I, my next one is the 11th of march the clinton baptiste tv show on the internet it is very rude i've got to warn you it is rude but it's funny it's never it's never it's never filthy horrible it's filthy cheeky that sort of british cheeky nonsense infantile it's not the word for it <laughs>
0: Next, I sat down with the 354 squad about their experiences being a part of and watching Shakespeare.
4: Um, this is Bacola here. I am from Queens, mm. New York, um, and I'm usually stationed in Los Angeles. Kendall, hey, Kendall, follow yeah. me at Flyers Than the Bird 22, representing Chicago,
5: Illinois right now, gang, gang. Uh hello, I'm Tiana. Um I'm coming to you from the ancestral lands of the Gabrielino Tongva people in also known as Los Angeles. Yes. Follow me on Instagram at T underscore Q-U-A-N-T. I'm Carrie
6: Reynolds, and I'm also coming to you from Los Angeles. Um
4: please don't follow me on the internet. Um fun fact, uh Carrie Kendall and I are the uh ISC yes. roomies. Um, we <laughs> met there. Yeah. Um. And then became roomated for two years. Um. And we have a nationally, globally known YouTube channel. Uh. (laughs) So check us out at the three five four squad on YouTube and um, Instagram. Yeah, I've been in um, some shows in the park and. I've been in a filmed version of a Shakespeare show and <laughs> like there, it's just, there's so, it's so different because, you know, Shakespeare is meant to be like heard with people and kind of like, and there's like a playfulness that goes with like live theater that um, in filmed uh, Shakespeare, we're trying to hit the marks a little bit more than we would, you know, on stage, on stage, you, you know, you mess up and, we still have to move on to the next scene, um whereas this you get time to uh like hone in and kind of uh fine tune the performance and the story and really kind of make sure that the points that need to be driven across are driven across and it is really fun because you can do you have this uh great um tool which is like the close up um and you can add text messages and like little things that like we couldn't you know. How, do on stage like how are you going to show texting and then show the text messages you know what i mean unless there's like somebody walking by with a sign um so yeah it's been interesting they, they both have their their merits to them
5: um i've never i don't think i've ever been in a like a filmed uh shakespeare piece i love doing shakespeare live um but i do really like like you know when they they turn it into like a movie like i know on i think it's on like kct they have a version of king lear Uh, starring Ian McKellen and some other people and then also on Amazon Prime there's actually I really like King Lear that's my favorite play Um, uh, (laughs) there's a a, like a movie version of King Lear and it's like Anthony Hopkins is Lear and like Emma Thompson is in it and Andrew Scott is in it and it's like like an Mm all-star cast Mm
4: -hmm. yeah which you know we couldn't be able to like it would have been difficult to like schedule them (laughs) if it was like a stage play you know what I mean
5: (laughs) And then, like, the movie, yeah. like, you can really just do it once, and then that's it. While with, mm-hmm. like, live theater, it's, it's like, not a different performance every night, but, like, it's not going to be exactly the same. And it's also, like, a just a different kind of energy that you have to manifest to get through eight shows a week. Yeah, yeah
6: for sure. The thing I loved about, you know working on the virtual show last year was that like family members who'd never been able to make it to Los Angeles for the, mm. for the festival, um, you know, who are in other countries or like across the United States could see our performance and like family members yeah. who've known that members of their family are doing the show here in LA, but they can't make the trip yeah. could actually see it. That's mm. really special. Yeah. Um, you know, there is that magic of connecting with actual audience members, but I think see did a really yeah. good job of, Extending that virtually, like the you could sign up for the text mm-hmm. alerts that happened, like yeah. at the simultaneously throughout each right. viewing of the of the of Romeo and Juliet, and you know they got creative about finding ways to like still make those important connections that I see does really
5: well mm-hmm.
6: in person. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
5: With R and J, it was like not only you know like directly accessible like what you said carry about like the text alerts and like mm-hmm. um you know it being it being a live viewing of a filmed piece but like like making it because i know a lot of people think of shakespeare as like something really old and really like something that you have to like transcend yourself and your knowledge to like be able to understand when you really don't like it's it's a very universal theme and and a lot of kind of universal stories with this,
0: I decided to ask, what's your favorite or least favorite filmed Shakespeare piece? What about favorite or least favorite play? And why? First, you'll hear from Reynaldo Macias and Gene Gaskill, followed by the 354 Squad.
7: Uh, those are pretty easy, actually. Uh, my favorite filmed adaptation of a Shakespeare play would have to be 1996's Othello, starring, uh Lawrence Fishburne in the title role, and Kenneth Branagh as Iago, it just had an energy and a passion having Lawrence Fishburne really dive deep into the honor and the loyalty and the conflict of Othello. Kenneth Branagh was amazing in his uh, duplicitous evil and envy of Fishburne's Othello, and it's just an amazing adaptation. It's my favorite of all time. Uh, in thinking about doing this interview, I actually had to go back and rewatch it just because it tickled my fancy uh, to go back and enjoy it so much. Uh, if I was going to pick one that was my least favorite, I would have to say it was Mel Gibson's uh, take on Hamlet. Hamlet and Othello being my two favorite plays of Shakespeare, uh, which says a little bit more about me than it does about uh, Sir William. Gibson's Hamlet just didn't have the energy. There was a lot of yelling, but not a lot of acting. And I really didn't feel, as an older man, he played the younger Hamlet, uh, the college-age Hamlet, the collegiate student, with a lot of depth or a lot of energy. And he really just sort of stumbled his way through his to be or not to be is painful to watch. Uh, I would have to say my favorite live performance of a Shakespeare play would be 2013's Independent Shakespeare Company's production of Macbeth. Uh, Luis Galindo and Andre Roger Martin uh, were astounding i'm a big (laughs) honor and loyalty and warrior fan it's where i i land and so the whole question of does macbeth make his own fate and thereby end his life or does fate simply put him on that path um was just depicted amazingly. Uh, Melissa Chalzma as as Lady Macbeth, uh, who is really engaged and, and joined and simply a partner to Luis's Macbeth, um, was delightful. I, I just appreciated everything. And they did some magic on stage with... The final fight between Macbeth and Macduff uh, that shocked and awed and was something I didn't understand was capable in live theater. Uh, I really just always go back to that um, and think about it as one of my favorite experiences uh, in the theater. And I don't really have a least favorite because when there's no energy... Um, <laughs> the words are hard and the scenes fall flat.
3: I would say that would have to be Kenneth Branagh's um, Henry V um, or Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. Both attracted me um, because in Henry V, they're just such energy and so accessible and so human and the story just, it really... It really takes you on this journey and you feel like you get inside the politics and, um, understand what's going on. Um, and he just speaks Shakespeare so simply and, um, clearly and specifically. And, uh, with Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet, it just creates such a world that it transports. And, and captures a modern audience and really makes fantastic connections and links and parallels to how young people are living today and what urban life is like and what those tensions are like and what can happen when it goes wrong. And um, so I just really, I really enjoyed that film adaptation. Um, my least favourite or hated, I don't really have one. I mean, I'll be honest, I haven't watched a Shakespeare film for a while. And I just, as a kind of rule of thumb, I don't really like criticizing other people's work too much because I always go, well, could you do it? (laughs) And the answer is no. So, um, I don't really have a hated one, but I'm sure if I sat down and watched a whole load, I would remember, oh yeah, I just find this really boring. So it'd probably just be because it's too slow and boring. I have a short attention span. Favourite live performance of a Shakespeare play um, would have to be, I I've, I loved ISC's production of Othello, and it was a very special evening because I actually had known David Melville Back in the day, in London, we'd done a play together in a disused swimming pool um, and, um, at Ludgate Circus, and I had lost touch with him completely, and we're sitting watching Othello, blown away. We were close. It was moving. It was powerful. It was frightening, and I kept going, gosh, I really recognize this Iago. He's brilliant. And um, realised it was David. So it was a double thing of really enjoying the performance and then reconnecting with um, somebody I'd enjoyed so much many years ago. Um, I've loved Henry V at the National Theatre with my friend Adrian Lester in the title role. Um, I loved Pericles I saw years ago at the Royal Shakespeare Company. Um that was was a really good production and really interesting because that's not such a well or it's such a frequently done play um most hated again I'm sorry I I can't answer that I really don't know I know I've been bored and it, to me it really depends on how well rested I am and um and the in whether the theater is hot because if it's too warm uh and I've had a long day I'm definitely gonna nod off so I probably am not a huge fan of the histories if I'm honest just because it can be pretty dense and there's not enough action for me and uh relationships I like to see relationships unfold and um and that's why I do I do love the Scottish play as well I really do
8: I already got it Mine is going to be She's the Man. I <laughs> <laughs> I know. I
4: knew that.
5: I know. I knew I, that. I'm like, maybe they're looking for actually a film Shakespeare play. But no, <laughs> they that okay, that well, count. That's well. an adaptation. Thank yeah. you. It is. Okay,
8: She's the Man. I, I mean, it. growing up... Uh, I played competitive soccer and travel soccer. So literally in like seventh grade, it was the hottest film of the year. We quoted it. We did our soccer cheer, the same cheer that Channing Tatum and team do. It's brilliant. It's deliria. It's a great way to incorporate just Shakespeare to the to the
5: two thousands youths and and middle schoolers and teens. And it's it's just perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, Twelfth Night is also just my favorite. One yeah. of my f- absolute favorite plays. <laughs> yes.
6: Yeah. So no
5: matter, almost no matter what you do with it, it's going to be great.
6: Um, I was thinking Lion King.
4: Yes, (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Gary. Good job, (laughs) Gary. Um,
6: that's a great one. Just a class because you don't even see it until somebody points it out to you, like ten years later. I never saw the um Baz Luhrmann Romeo and Juliet. Oh
8: is that yeah! You talking about the Leonardo DiCaprio? Is that one? Yeah, that one is. Yeah,
4: it's amazing. It's hilariously really
8: good. I was gonna. I. I don't. So this is where I was gonna have a really hot take and be like, "Listen, I've only seen it once in like seventh grade," and I was like, "This is weird." And I know everyone loves it, but I'd probably put that as out of all the things I've seen, my least favorite <gasps> adaptation. Wow. But that's because I don't remember it that much, and all the other things like Ten Things I Hate About You. West Side oh, okay. story. Like things is mine. <laughs> oh, she's the man. All of those have more, you know, per like stickier like in my in my mind and stuff. So so I don't know. But I, I haven't seen it in a minute, so I know people love it.
4: <laughs> I, I love that one. And I yeah. shout out to Elizabeth Dennehy's father, who mm-hmm. is Montague in it. He's fantastic I remember him in it. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know why I never put it together, but I remembered his character in it. I just yeah, and it's been years since I've seen it which I shouldn't say because I recently did one and maybe should have watched it for reference. (laughs) Um, There are a couple that I don't like, but they're just random ones on Amazon. Um, (laughs) Give them a shout out. Call them out. No. And it's not that I don't like them. It's that... I understand that it's just my there's like I have certain preferences of for certain scenes and certain things like that, and I'm just being yeah. picky about it. So mm-hmm. um, that's fair. It's just that you know their inter- interpretation might not have um, rang true to me. So it's not that it was bad yeah. or anything.
5: I yeah, will- like I I know that on the the Amazon Prime king lear a big issue that i had with it was that they basically cut edmund's like most famous monologue they basically like just gutted it like it was just the first couple of lines and then it skipped automatically to like the end and i paused and (laughs) almost did not finish it
6: because that's my
5: favorite monologue sacrilege (laughs) yeah i was real salty
8: oh this is where we get to spill all the (laughs) isct say what stuff we did i'm joking all the
5: t all the
4: q all the w (laughs) uh I okay I do have a favorite um uh was it two gents I'd never seen two gents and the first time I saw it was at ISC uh
3: the
4: after I had finished my first show at ISC which was Measure so I knew all the people on stage and I thought it was fantastic and the reason I thought it was fantastic because you know I obviously am biased but my mom came And she was like, "Uh uh-uh, why is... And then she only knew them by their real name. She was like, why is Evan being mean to Nikhil? And I was like, that's (laughs) fantastic. Why is she stealing Nikhil's girlfriend? This is terrible. And I'm like, yes, my mother, who does not do Shakespeare, was fully invested in the story. So I'm going to say that that's a great one. And um, what's the show we saw Shakespeare in the Park, Carrie? when we were in new york
6: oh measure for measure
4: measure for measure i saw measure for measure with danielle brooks and like mm-hmm. i'm sorry they it was amazing it was the most it was amazing there was wow. dancing
8: is this is this through like public theater yes uh-huh
4: yes. It was dancing there was uh beautiful black people uh yeah it was just fantastic uh it was such a good production e- um, I
8: love, you know what looked really good too? Is there much to do about nothing with uh, the whole black cast too at the public? Yeah, theater? that's what it was. Did that's what it was. I said, oh, that's we measure saw. for measure. No, Bacola uh, said measure oh, for measure. Oh, I
4: meant much to do. Sorry. Not measure. <laughs> oh, <to> do.
8: Okay. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> exactly. no, it's great. It's was
6: Um Oh, that's so cool. You guys got to see that. That looked so freaking. Yeah, that looked awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was really, really fun. That's such a. And, like, that's the show. That's the thing. What I love about ISD is that you can just show up with your picnic and your blanket yep. and sit on the grass. Mm-hmm. And yep. for the New York one, you know, my friends, God bless them, they, because they, I really wanted to see the show, we um, waited in line in the morning on, like, a Saturday for, like, two hours. And then you get your ticket if you're lucky. Uh, yeah, for me,
8: like, it's actually really interesting because I'm, like, at first I was, like, Like, of course, I love going to Shakespeare in the Park and Griffith Park for ISC. Um, I think Tough Night I mean number one we have the star Bukola in this lovely mm-hmm. podcast right now and she was fantastic <laughs> and just like the whole set like, it was just so funny it was my first time I mean I love She's a Man that's my favorite film adaptation it was the first time me seeing Tough Night on stage and watching it in full and I'm like this is the funniest play <laughs> <laughs> like, and it's just great like the hijinks are just it's just fantastic like Bill in Yellow Stockings is Malvolio uh, Javi Lorenzo all and- the cast is so good it was just so much fun it was like one of my favorite shows to see and and I was so impressed by Pericles too because you know I had no idea who or what or when was Pericles before <laughs> ISC did it and it was just so cool how they made it so ensemble based and just all the movement and elements in that of storytelling too yeah. I love seeing also National Theater Live's performance of Midsummer, yeah, uh, that they put on their YouTube and things yeah. so all that's just been great to have over like pandemic and Quarantine
4: times too. But oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
6: Yeah. The Midsummer. But cool, is that the one oh. we watched?
4: Uh Midsummer?
6: Yeah. On National Theater. Where
4: Oh yes, in. with Beyonce. Yes. I'm sorry, there was a there was a Beyonce song in it. Yes. <laughs> I thought that was Oh it's like Oh, oh yes. Yeah, Beyonce beautiful. wasn't in it. There was a Beyonce song in it.
6: It's <laughs> love on Top and they yeah. play the entire Tire song. Entire
4: song. I
8: love that. Yeah. I love that. Oh, and then what I love too is that they swapped uh Oberon and Titania yeah. yes. line. That's great. We love that. We love that adaptation mm-hmm. when they swap swap lines.
4: At the time, it know, was we, oh amazing. It was really really great. Yeah, it was
6: really fun. Yes. it mm-hmm.
4: was
6: fantastic. Yeah, um, yeah. I also watched um, Anthony and Cleopatra on National Theatre. Oh, that was, Ooh, so, that was good. so good. Ooh. Ooh. Oh yes. my goodness,
5: okay. <laughs> with Ray Fiennes with Voldemort as yeah. Mark Anthony. Yes. <laughs>
6: <laughs> um, uh, David and Melissa worked with um, yeah. too. Heck yeah! Uh, in the show where they
5: met. Uh, yep, they that's met. where they met. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh,
6: yeah, so that was fantastic. Um, what I loved. So I've been um, working in various roles at ISC since 2016, like from volunteer to um, not volunteer and. AD. Um, <laughs> and. Um, so, I really loved their Richard III that they did. My first summer mm-hmm. I volunteered.
1: Mm-hmm.
6: That was really yes. good. Yes, yes. Um, yes. Uh, it was like rock and roll infused. So, like, live, you know, how ISC loves incorporating live music and stuff mm-hmm. and original music. And, um, so it was, uh, you know, the, the like fight scenes meshed with like rock concert. And, uh, it was really exciting to see. Um, so and I'd never seen that show before or since really. So that was really good. I liked Artitis, too. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. blood. There will that be blood. was fun to work on. Yeah. Yeah. There was a um,
4: lot of blood backstage.
6: So much blood. So much, so much, much blood. fake nice. blood. So much bleach <laughs> well, to clean the flake blood the fake yeah. Oh
5: goodness. <laughs>
4: Wait,
5: when um, I was in college there was a production of Mc of the Scottish play where um for blood they used like red glitter.
6: Oh fun. <gasps> Nightmare for the crew, but yeah. Fun. Oh, that sounds yeah. Fun. yeah. <laughs> just on everything.
5: Yeah, we were we, we were finding glitter like in that room years and years and years later. That's, just, that's amazing. <laughs> this new digital landscape has transformed the way we view
0: and create theater. What are the pros and cons that you've experienced in this new medium, whether as a viewer or as a theater artist?
7: Um I've only experienced digital slash live theater during the pandemic as an audience member. But what struck me as somebody who uh, participates in the creation of live theater was the intimacy that was brought to uh, ISC's Romeo and Juliet, um, specifically the quiet moments where, you know, because of the pandemic, there weren't many actors in the space and there weren't a lot of larger pieces of acting going on. And so it was quiet and it was intimate in a way that I would love to see happen um, in live theater. I think that it's one of the, if we can find small gifts in this isolation that we've been experiencing or forcing us to be creative, just coming back to the small moments and maybe taking away some of the words and letting the interaction of the people happen. It, it, it was beautiful. I, there were so many moments in that production, both digital and live, that came together in a way to make it uh, special and different than any other production that I have participated in witnessed been adjacent to in in any way so I really appreciated the intimacy um that we got from that production
3: i uh, we taught a big shakespeare immersion unit um for to eighth graders and um we had, we did, we steered away really from performance, but just did a deep dive into research and projects and ideas and music and the human condition and um, the Renaissance. And that was really fun. and And students, one pair particularly, I remember, created an entire website with all different aspects of of how you can create the world, either using poetry or art or sound or music. Um, That was amazing. Another student did a modern adaptation um, of uh, Romeo and Julius, and he played both parts. And it was a love story between two young men who were separated um, by the pandemic, um, which was genius and creative and really touching and funny. Um, And I'd say the other thing I saw was a former student. They did an amazing um, performance of Macbeth that was pretty much all performed live, live streamed and performed live with some pre-recorded pieces. And the advantage of that was it was so intimate. They all had the same backdrop. They all had a spotlight or ring light or something like that. And they were really clever about entrances and exits. And you just felt like they had had to really work on t- being together and really understanding the language and what story they wanted to tell with each scene. And it was very immediate and up close. And then it it, it it's an advantage because then if you want to suddenly do a riot or a big, you know fight or battle you can do that and draw footage from anything and pull it in and you're not limited at all um with where you are or where you go so i thought that worked really well um and very very it was very felt very intimate and claustrophobic which really set the world they created I would say the cons are you're watching Shakespeare in your own home. You can get distracted by your life; <laughs> that that doesn't work for me. Um, and also, watching on a computer screen, it it just can be a bit two dimensional and a bit flat. Um, but you you can get you know you can get close, and you can see things and maybe feel things that you wouldn't normally experience in the theatre if you're at a distance.
5: One. Acting on, like, Zoom? Very hard. (laughs) Very hard. Very hard. Because it's not like, it's not like you're doing, a lot of the time, it's not like you're doing, like, a self-tape or anything, which is also very hard. Like, I was in a a production of Hamlet that was also, it also doubled as, like, a, um,
3: it was, like, a fundraiser.
5: And so, like, it was very, it was very hard because, like, you know, you're, you, if you're staged a certain way like you know because OBS has given so many people so many like staging options but like if you have to face a certain way like you're not only facing away from like your camera and like your computer and stuff like that you're like acting to just a completely separate part of the room but it was also very fun in the sense of like there are so many things out there that allow so much creative like licensing now like digitally like you know when pandemic first started like all any of us had was just zoom Mm -hmm. (laughs) and now we have like obs where you can have like backgrounds and like people it's been really cool to see how like the technology has evolved and like the art the artistry has sort of evolved um and like i was in a live show of hamlet where between scenes people could like Venmo for like certain things like everybody's wearing a clown nose and like everybody's wearing a you know like so and so's replaced by a puppet it's it was um infinite jests
6: clowning around with Shakespeare
5: I think it's still available on YouTube it gives it gives you a lot of options and it really lets you like play around with it even more than like you know like a regular like live adaptation would it's very hard especially like because internet can be you know my internet connection sometimes is not Always the best. Yep. Um, And sometimes, like, people's power goes out and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. So it's very scary.
8: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I I 100% agree. Uh, Even, like, uh, the one-act show that Mipakola and and Felicia, we were doing Kearney's one-act Um, And during that one-act live stream, you know, they had another scene where these two people were in a car, but it was just, like, a green screen car, and that was (laughs) really cool to see, too. And another production I did uh, recently uh, through a Highland Park Theater company, they were using some, I don't remember the program, but this program where it's, like, you could literally morph people and have one person in a diamond in a circle within each other, or, like like, walking down the street, people are standing, and, like, you could do it all via live, so, like, it's really cool to see the technology that is coming out there to make it live. It is definitely weird doing, like, Zoom theater, um, especially, uh, I had a great time doing Fairyland Forbos for Wallace, but probably one of the hardest things was because we were doing very much so of, like, we're looking at each other, (laughs) like, and our screens are next to each other on Zoom, so it's like you're just talking to a wall, which is even different than even film, where you have, like, usually an actor, or you get to talk and play the camera and stuff, so just talking to, like, literally a wall (laughs) at times, And, and of course you do that, of course sort different angles and film too yeah that and then as we already talked about too in the first question is the more accessibility things of being able to put theater online and share it with people with, with, um, all over the country and world is something that is very very cool and a pro of it being live streamed and filmed in advance which is cool
4: yeah and like like you were saying like fairyland foibles is uh was You guys did a fantastic job. So fantastic that part of what you did is what, um, like, we look to you guys for inspiration for R&J, really. We're like, how did Mm. they do this? Because we filmed the same way. We were in the same space, but we didn't film on the same day. So I didn't see anyone Mm. except, you know, Romeo and David, who had to be there. Um, (laughs) um, So it was just so, it's so interesting how we as artists had to adapt. But the thing I loved about it is that for like Fairyland Foibles and Tiana was one of the writers and, and Kendall helped with content and things like that. And Kendall was like editing and stuff. We could like Tiana was saying, we could vote on what would happen to the next character or like see, you know, and really kind of follow this adventure kind of week to week. Um, So I love that aspect of it. I truly enjoyed being an audience member for me during r&j but like i and i'm like the worst i would be like literally flirting with Nikhil during the show I'd be like look at my bae and he's just like thanks <laughs> like <laughs> yes, so yes. <laughs> um, so getting to be on that side of it and then like some of the stuff was like live so like i knew i couldn't like text him on the side when this scene was happening because he has to be like on the phone or like in the vi like on video during this time because you know it's being filmed live certain times and then pre filmed certain times. Um so it was just it was just uh it, I I find it um like you were saying it it is strange and it's making us develop new skills. Uh mm-hmm. a lot yeah. of uh what I like to call Marvel cinematic universe acting where uh, people and things aren't there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's supposed to be you said what carrie
6: tennis ball acting
4: yeah yeah but there's something about true. that too like it was actors alone in a green screen room. like you still have to mm-hmm. get up and get to work whereas true, like yeah. if like sometimes the lower half of my body can be in sweatpants and i still have oh, to yes. you know act and it's like you have to get up and for me i sometimes i have to get up and like put on the full character's co- like costume which is my clothes yeah. because I can't leave the house.
5: <laughs> yeah,
8: yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, really yeah. kind of
4: get into the character in a different way. And that, that has been difficult, but it's been a skill that uh, has proven um, great, like to just like learn that new thing and that, yeah. Yeah.
6: yeah. No, I think, I think the playing field was really leveled when everyone w- went home. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we all had the same like internet. We all had internet, you know, if you, well, like if you're privileged, you had internet and you had some software, and you could kind of make it work if you wanted to make a show. And I, I helped. I produce a like um, live late night variety show sketch show thing on Twitch, which is also like a whole other ball game of like live performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and those couple weeks when SNL also shut down and went home, we kind of had the. We were joking that we kind of had the same tools as these guys who were, like professionals. <laughs> yeah. So the playing field really felt leveled for a while there. And like, I don't know, people joke that like theater is going to die because of something like this or like theater goes away. But it has survived so many plagues. Yeah. Just yeah, so, so many, many things.
5: Yeah. Yep. No, yep. theater yep. is a cornerstone of civilization. It is not going anywhere. Yes. Like yep. the reason it exists in a certain way right now is simply just because of like, you know, just the way our country invests in things and the way it doesn't invest yes. in art at all. Yep. Um, right. yep. You know, that's not, that's not theater's fault. That's not a reflection on the worth of our industry. It's actually really? like a reflection on like the, the misguided priorities of our government. Oh yep. Ooh,
8: 100.
4: 100. Say it loud
5: yep. for the people 100%. in the back. Tiana. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Ooh. yeah.
4: Thanks. Support the arts, everyone. Support for the real. arts.
6: Support the arts. Yeah.
0: And the final question I asked our guests, would you rather watch Shakespeare filmed or live? I'm sure you can guess what their answers are.
7: I think that, no, I know that I would always rather watch a Shakespearean production live uh, rather than filmed. There is a magic and an intimacy and an insight into the human condition, uh, the relationships between... People, the relationships between actors, um, that simply lays bare uh, the soul. And when it's done well, it is sublime. And when it's done poorly, it is. <laughs> it's okay. Because the strength of Shakespeare is that he was a true student of how people relate and communicate, and so watching it live is always an experience not just between the actors, but between the actors and the audience, between the words, the wit, and the way that the people move. Um, And so I would always, 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 always rather watch Shakespeare live than filmed.
3: If I had to pick, I'd definitely rather watch Shakespeare plays live um, in the theatre, and I've been speaking to some of my former students. A couple of them like the films because they feel like they're more accessible and contemporary. Um, But certainly when I take students, um, or even when I go myself, I just love being there in the moment Watching those characters live through that journey and that story, always just blown away by different interpretations and how people make sense of the language and how, how they bring it to life and the, the, just the physical energy that it takes and emotional energy that it takes. You can see the spit, the sweat, um, the emotion, everything that, and just, And I do love seeing it outside. I mean, I need to get closer in future. I feel like that really helps. But I love the energy of that because it's the closest we get to um, how Shakespeare's plays would have been seen in the day when he wrote them and they were first being performed at the Globe or wherever else they were played. They were performed. Live.
8: Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
4: I don't. Yeah. Why would I have to pick? Oh, what is the situation? What am I given yeah. circumstances? I'm kidding. <laughs>
8: no, no, no. Yes, live theater, of course. There's just nothing like it, especially even, like, number one as an audience member, being just in the same room and environment, of course, as your fellow actors and seeing and being a part of this world and story being told. And then as an actor, it's just like, for me, there's nothing like being able to do. Like, I just love live theater yeah. above like most things. There's nothing like being able to just be on stage with like your fellow collaborators and actors and the do shows and you have to be completely present because you have to be there for two hours on stage. And it's just so exciting and invigorating and just really, really just amazing. So yeah, live theater. Yeah. But yeah.
5: Anyway. <laughs> 100%. No, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's like, cause even if you watch it later, like being there for, cause even if it, it is filmed, like that may not be like the performance that you were there for. So mm-hmm. like, When you watch a live show, like you're seeing it's that specific performance is never going to be completely recreated again. Mm -hmm. Like that it's a Mm -hmm. it's a totally unique experience. But like just the way that the suspension of disbelief, seeing people like navigate that people seeing people like being like, okay, like, you know we're in a we're on a field and there's a war right now there's a bunch you know even like this is in Shakespeare but like Equus brought you know trying to figure out how to bring horses or horse puppets Mm -hmm. like like the production I feel like of live theater like can be so creative and so like it's just not something that's recreated somewhere else yeah I love what you the the
4: suspension of disbelief is but it's so beautiful to like do it with like 20 30 more other people like you're all like mm-hmm. we're here and we're this is a story and this mm-hmm. is what's happening and mm-hmm. i'm here for it done mm-hmm. no mm-hmm. extra questions yep. no like hey what no it's like no we're all in this fever dream together ah it's mm-hmm. so yeah, beautiful though. just to be on the same page with everyone like that um yeah and yeah. then i know you like i some of my favorite moments on stage are those moments where like something new happens or like you see a, like a, a flash in one of like the person across you's yeah. eyes and they're just like oh, this it makes sense to me now or the energy is different today or i feel it a little bit different today and you're like let's go with that what's yeah. that let's do that um yeah.
5: yeah yeah yeah
4: and it's just it's so amazing like yeah it's
5: just yeah uh, yeah yeah absolutely yeah. And, like, audience participation. Yeah, also. I was going to say audience. Uh-huh. That's
8: what I was going to say. Audience engagement. Or just even, like, just, yeah, again, being all in the same space. Or, like, doing comedy, you know? Doing comedy and, like, when you're filming, it's like, I, I hope this is funny, you know? This is good <laughs> to have that. Just everyone being present and you getting that engagement, whether it's sadness or like shock or laughter from the audience it's just so just great to have just to was an ensemble and a group putting on this production as well which yeah. is so so fun yeah. yeah
5: there's no there's no replacement for like looking out into the audience and seeing someone like having an emotional response <gasps> mm-hmm. or just like or when you have the chance to like bring the audience directly like into the story with you or like up on stage like you don't get a chance like Especially with film or even with, like, larger budget productions to, like, be able to, like, go sit in the audience with people and, like, interact with them or, like, bring them on stage to dance or to, like, do other stuff. Like, there's a connection that's um, irreplaceable.
4: Yeah. One of my favorite moments, speaking of bringing audience on stage, one of my favorite favorite moments and favorite pictures is actually this picture of Kendall and Patrick oh, in these yes. gold shorts <laughs> and they're tug of warring and Kendall is war- like they're both trying to win this tug of war on stage during Pericles and I I love that picture and it's so funny because I remember I don't remember the picture being taken obviously because I wasn't but I remember where I was standing watching it.
8: No, I, I, I guess interaction and engagement is like my favorite thing too. Yeah. In theater, I love it when it's like, audience gets the dictator, just be a part of the world and things like that. Like, like all that stuff's so fun, mm. yes.
4: But live theater all day, but. Uh, Truly? I'll take Same what place. I can get.
8: <laughs> Heck yeah. yeah. Yeah,
6: yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah.
4: Check us out at the 354 Squad on YouTube and Instagram, and there you can also find our personal information maybe not carrie's personal information but our personal <laughs> instagrams and things like that
5: um, our social media information yes. you're not going to find our social security numbers or anything so you know yes, nice yeah. try scammers
8: i mean you can email me if you want mine but uh, other than that yeah, <laughs> I think we're, uh, we also <laughs> do we
5: i mean we do have a discord that you can find the link on to our videos on like you know, in the description boxes of our YouTube videos. So if you do want to talk to us, jump on Discord. Yeah. Talk to me about true crime.
4: I want to talk about the Night soccer documentary. No one has seen
5: it.
0: So is there really a contest between Shakespeare Live and Shakespeare Filmed? Watching Shakespeare Live is indescribable. There's really nothing else like it in the world. But yet there's something beautiful about being able to watch the national theaters Antony and Cleopatra from the safety of our homes in Los Angeles. To me, it speaks to the fact that no matter how many folks wanna claim that theater is dying, it always finds a way. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Artbreak Podcast. You can find a link to the 354 Squad's YouTube channel and Alex Lowe's work, including some of his upcoming shows and performances as Barry from Watford in the description. If you have the time, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you can be the first to know when we release new episodes. And don't forget, even if you're vaccinated, keep socially distant, not emotionally.